M1 is the finance super app that puts you in control of your wealth. Invest, borrow, save, and spend your money how you want with sophisticated automation tools to help you reach your financial goals more easily. 2021 is about rebuilding, building health, building wealth, and everything in between. I've been using M1 for years to manage my long-term investment portfolio. M1 lets me follow some of the top performing hedge funds like Code 2 and balance my pie based on what the pros are doing. It's truly my favorite investing app in the world. Go to m1finance.com slash Katoon to get started today and earn $30 to invest after you fund your account. Terms and conditions apply. M1, yours to build. Welcome to Technology Podcast. I'm Scott Katoon. On today's show, we catch up with TechCrunch reporter Alex Wilhelm. I feel like saying TechCrunch reporter is selling him massively short. Uh, the Equity Podcast is also something he does. He writes a ton of stuff across Chicago, Boston, New York, San Francisco, other countries. He does profiles on cities and tech cities and tech communities and VCs and startups and fundraising. Another thing that he does a lot of is IPOs, reporting on them, looking at everyone's F1 and looking at all the things that they do and all the reportings and kind of shares that in a way that regular people like myself could actually understand. And I think he does a pretty, pretty darn good job of it to say nothing of the fact that he's releasing every, not every, we talk about it a little bit in the show, but a lot of all of the fundraising announcements, whether you're a fund announcing you just raised funds or you're a startup announcing that you just got the funds from the funds that were raised by the fund. He goes into all of it all the time, and I think he does a hell of a job. So I don't know what to call him, podcast host. Uh, he's like, to me, he's the, the unicorn for TechCrunch, which I say that because I didn't, I knew I knew this, but I didn't really know this. He was from Chicago. He's not from Chicago. We talk a little about where he's from, but he spent a lot of time in Chicago, and he's a huge fan of Technori, which to me is awesome. Like the fact that he went to a bunch of Technori events back in the olden days is really cool. And to catch up with somebody who has gone from reporting on random stuff in Chicago tech to reporting on everything that goes on globally in the tech startup ecosystem. And it all has like a weird little origin story that circles around Technori events to me is a pretty cool story. It's also a great opportunity to sort of reflect and learn not just like what I and Technori and our community in Chicago have done, but like how we stack up. And naturally, when you start to do things like stack up and look at history, it begs the question, who's the best? And I thought he'd be a perfect person to find out who he thinks the best is. And so we created a little Pantheon list of the all-time entrepreneur founders. You'll have to listen to the entirely long but worthwhile episode and interview with Alex to find out who I put on my Pantheon, my, my top four or Mount Rushmore of founders. Also... Alex introduces a handful of founders, two of which I literally have never heard of, that he thinks are going to be some of the biggest names over the next decade you're going to hear. So from that standpoint, this is a must listen. Uh, we will share on social, on my Twitter, at Katoon or Technori, at Technori, this pantheon in the coming days. We also did a pitch review this week on Accelerated 3D. Accelerated 3D, you can go to wefunder.com slash Accelerate3D and learn about it. You can invest in them. They're currently raising money. Uh, they're essentially using 3D printing to uh, pump some life into American manufacturing. I guess the best way to look at the company is it's sort of like an R&D wing 
of any manufacturing house. How do we do it faster, cheaper, smoother, uh, make things easier to ship and all this kind of stuff. It's a cool company. I do a full pitch review. Uh, it came out today. So you should definitely go to my pitch reviews on Substack and read it. You can go to katoon.com. You can go to katoon.substack.com. Whatever it is you want to do, you can do that. So with that said, uh, this is my interview with Alex Wilhelm, TechCrunch reporter, podcast host, media extraordinaire. Okay, Alex from TechCrunch, at Alex on Twitter. I was, you know, I have to say, I'm a huge fan. You're one of the only people who is in like a mainstream tech beat that talks about Chicago ever. You recently did a piece on Chicago. I know there's roots in Chicago. We have Stan's Donuts. We have a few other things. You don't have any donuts with you. And like your Twitter on Saturday and Sunday, it's all about donuts. That's what I was expecting. I'm, I'm disappointed. Well, right, right, right outside of camera shot, there is a, a half dozen box of Duncan that is oh, okay. half that, empty, that but it, it's like four days old because it's been a busy week, Scott. So my I office bet. is a little messy, but like they technically are donuts. They're just inedible. So I don't know if that actually meets with my crappy personal brand or not, but essentially <laughs> there's a lot of good pastry spots in Providence where I live. And uh, who am I, if not someone who's here to support the local economy? So this is true. Um, I didn't actually realize until, I mean, this was maybe six months ago or so that I realized that you were in Providence. Mm. Obviously I started watching a bunch of movies with Jim Carrey and the Farley brothers, you know, just to familiarize myself with the local, the local flavors. Um, have you always, like, have you always lived there, even though working for TechCrunch? Like what, like how long have you been here? Well, going back to your Chicago point, I, I went to school in Chicago. So my, my baby years as a tech journalist were living in Hyde Park and commuting down to the loop on the Metro Electra line. And, uh, you know, working for the company that became Chicago Tech Week. And so my Chicago roots are that. But then I moved to San Francisco after college because while I adore the Midwest and my parents are from Kansas City, Missouri, so kind of Midwest stock, uh, I don't know how you all do winter. And I did four of those. Oh, it's awful. It's not, it's, it's politely not good. Chicago, in my view, would be the most popular city in the world, given the space and the location and the the great neighborhoods and the great food. It's just cold. (laughs) And so that like, I can deal with it up until January. It's like that January, like I know we get the winter, December, November, it snows, whatever. Sometimes it snows in May. That's not the problem. It's at like negative 28 degrees. It is January and February and parts of, of, of April. You're just like, it's got to stop. This. You can't do this anymore. Yeah. So I did well because of that and my natural wimpiness, I, I moved to San Francisco for eight years. Uh, and then I ended up out here because my, my spouse is uh, doing her medical residency in town. So I'm uh, working remote so she can work in person. Very cool. Well, that's very, very nice of you. I, I was excited to say, cause like from what I remember the early tech days, you know, and this is just Chicago, which is, you know, nothing at the time and well, it's still nothing <laughs> compared to Silicon Valley, but at the it's time, doing it's great. It, we, we are having some, uh, as you very uh, kindly noted, uh, having an upswing, yeah. but it's so clicky. And like, if you remember the early days in Chicago, like Silicon Valley is, you know, 10 times bigger than that. And I would have never known how you could possibly get the beat and the connections that you had without having to be there. So when I first was looking at you in Providence, I was like, this guy must be like the best Twitter DMer of all time. Cause otherwise, uh, you know, like newcomers got nothing on you if this is the case. Uh, uh, newcomer is great. I, I, what he does. And I, I like the guy. Um, it's harder to do my job from here. Like to be yeah. clear, like it, it's very, very convenient to be sitting down at a, at a, you know, a bench in South Park in San Francisco, drinking coffee with one VC and then yeah. have another one walk by like that kind of density yeah. really is like a couple of acres in the world. Um, but I would rather do my job 
90% and might in San Francisco here and do it versus give up and do something else. Uh, yeah. I really do like what I do fundamentally. And I'm just, uh, I'm very hashtag blessed that I get to keep doing it and that they're letting me do it from here. You know, I, I try not to forget that it's, they didn't have to do that, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, well, I think this goes back to like sort of the, the shift in media that has kind of taken place. And you mentioned, you know, I mentioned newcomer, you mentioned newcomer. The changes in like how people are able to actually uh, be successful in media, whether it's me just like windbagging on, on a microphone and tweeting out things as I, you know, work inside of an out of tech. Yeah. I actually think it's like, you've built a brand for yourself that it would be kind of crazy to be honest for someone like TechCrunch to let you go and not let you do this. Because I, I just think that like, whether you did it on purpose or not, I don't know. I, I'm assuming you're a smart guy. So I'm going to think it was somewhat on purpose. You have lined yourself up in the most perfect on the line way of anyone I've ever seen where like you are founder friendly and respectful and don't blast people and don't whatever, but you also don't bullshit. Mm. Well, I laugh all the time about this when people send me pitches, I think of you doing your, you know, announcements for raises and SPACs and, and, and IPOs. And you, I think you posted it yesterday or today. Like if you're going to send an, uh, a SPAC to me, please send the deck. Come on. Like, so the, the context for people listening is we're, we're recording this on uh, on a Thursday and Forbes Forbes announced they're going public via SPAC and then just didn't drop the rest of the information. Like, how do you not coordinate that? Come on. Everyone else pulled this off. It's very it SPAC like, to be honest. Man, like, I, I want to dispute that, Scott. But yes, it is very SPAC like. But if you but, want to show that you're not a traditional SPAC and that you have your stuff together, have your stuff together. You know, yeah. like, come on. Not ideal. So let's transition into some of the stuff you're, you're seeing. Obviously you have the podcast, you write a ton of posts, for, you know, across a myriad of things um, on TechCrunch. And I, you, do you still have the Substack? Is there still an Alex Substack that goes on occasionally? Yeah, but it's mostly like uh, books I'm reading, music that I like. Uh, so you I must have my... a lot of posts because there's 4,000 books behind you. Yeah, actually, I have a I have a, a, a side project that exists in like URL. So I own a URL that I want to turn into a side project, which is that, yep. that horrible in between state of having an actual hobby. Uh, yeah. I want to start a book review website, and I own uh, mediocrebookreview.com. Uh, not for mediocre books, but for mediocre yeah. reviews of books. Yeah. So I, yeah. I haven't because you know it, it's a skill that I don't have, but I haven't gotten around to actually getting that together because work's been pretty busy. Um, but the Substack does exist. It's um, alexwilhelm.substack. It, it, it's essentially just really like my personal blog. Like, and that's how I yeah. think about it. Like it, it, TechCrunch gives me lots of room to, to post on, on the main site. And I really am thankful for that. But sometimes even I'm like, ah, eh, this probably isn't for this that. probably doesn't belong on here. Yeah. And I also post like a, a yearly, I haven't drank yet again, the last year post in June. And uh, that's kind of a way for me to connect with the, my larger non boozing community as it were. Yep. So it's, it's got a couple of reasons, but it's, it's, it's very personal. It's not businessy, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm looking at your, your background and then I'm looking at my own, which is just filled with like sports cards, bobbleheads and trinkets to just show the intellectual differences here. Um, <laughs> you do have golf clubs in the background. I wasn't going to bring it up, but I mean, like, yeah. I just, <laughs> it's the douchiest VC set. You could like, Hey, I sometimes swing the sticks, you know? Okay, but to be clear, like just looking at your background, I can't quite make out the diplomas, but I don't actually dislike your decor because it's well organized and I like the black squares down the wall. Are those sound dampening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. so like behind the camera here, it's like the we've, I've got a recessed wall. So the whole thing is got it is done that way. Uh, well, I appreciate that. I put the diplomas on the wall 
uh, so that people will take me seriously, at least remotely. And then I act like a fool and they're just sort of like, well, but he did get the, that's a lot yeah, of paper. Someone, someone said he was okay. Therefore someone decreed he's yeah. okay. Uh, the books not. though behind me are, are also sound dampening. That's why I have my desk set up the way that I yeah. do. Uh, it's, a, it's a good fantastic. Yeah. Well, it, it's good backdrop just for zoom calls, but no, like, I mean, for just, the sound for sound, yeah. it's fantastic. It, eats echoes because Everything. my little my little shed that i'm in in my backyard um has a relatively tall ceiling and so it's actually pretty echoey and so i've had yeah. to think about like literally like putting more pillows in my office so because yeah if you don't podcast you don't care but if you do podcast you understand yes exactly and so like one of the things that i guess i find fascinating is when i talk to people who have their own podcast yeah it's always this weird little like switcheroo here and i get to see founders in a different way than you. Like for my, like I joke about this all the time, the, the early stage founders that come on my show, like the ones that used like OG Technori used to be on stage. Oh yeah, I, would, I, I are, went to Technori back then. So like they, they're so full of shit and the best way I get it, I'm not being mean at all, but it's like, they want you to believe that you can trust me with your money, right? So they, hmm. they don't really say it. And then, you know, like I think of Steve Galanis as an example here, because, you know, Steven launched Cameo on Technori and a few other things. And he was one of the first guests I had on for the WGen show and whatever. The story just evolved. Like it was like, I'm, you know, I, I worked as an executive at LinkedIn and, da, 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 and then it's like, when it really comes down to a billion dollar company, it's like, yeah, man, I was, I was fucking out there trying to get money from anybody. There was traders like LinkedIn, whatever. Like it just gets crazy. And so what I appreciate about your show is, you get the people that are still, they're still kind of buttoned up. Like they, they still have like, if now it's, they're like close to IPOs, so they really got to button their oh, stuff yeah. up, but they're honest enough to tell you like, oh yeah, this was a huge mistake. It, it, it's, it's a tough balance to hit because as you know, Scott, like as people's companies get bigger, they get more buttoned up and they also get just more media trained. So they become more adept at yeah. providing artful non-answers that almost sound like something, but yeah. don't actually say anything. And for me, uh, just because I, I try to cover, you know, everything from like, you know, pre-seed and angel companies through IPOs, I've often talked to a founder from they raised their first million all the way through to like them going public. And, and an example of this from the Chicago perspective is, uh, is Justin from Sprout Social. Oh yeah. Um, and you know, I, I think really a Chicago technologist that doesn't get enough credit. Oh my uh, God. He, yeah. He is like way under... Justin Howard, for people who don't know this, like this company went public at like what, six, thir 13, $16 a, a share at the time, Somewhere something there, like that. Yeah. It's trading at like $112 a share right now. And no one has said anything. So like, it's, it's fun to talk about him because uh, when I was an absolute baby technology reporter, literally like just a second year of college writing for the next web, which at the time was a publication of yeah. two part-timers in Europe. And then me in my dorm room, uh, Justin invited me to come like be on like a little judge panel thing for some Chicago tech event, super small, um, like, you know, 50, hundred people. And he pitched Sprout Social, this idea that he had, that he was building with his, uh, his co-founder. And one of the other judges was like, this is never going to work. And, he, <laughs> and Justin, Justin replied like, uh, we already built it and we have customers. And I just was like, I like this guy. Who is this? Yeah. And, uh, and dun, dun, dun. now Justin is not a good example of the thing we're talking about media training, becoming Correct. boring, but most oh, yeah, people true. end up getting increasingly buttoned up and like almost like abstracted from the world as their business gets bigger and they become, it's almost impossible to avoid a little bit more self-confident, let's say. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
but yeah, our, our job, you know, when we're asking the questions is to try to figure out what they're going to say that's actually going to be useful for the listeners, because while it's fun to educate ourselves, fundamentally, podcasting, reporting, et cetera, is about bringing information to the folks. So, yeah, you know, it's interesting. Like, I think that's where I don't know if I struggled in the early media training days or what it was like, you have a niche where I, I think you have a great personality and I think the show is like actually really good, <laughs> but you're information led. Like you're a show that I'm going to listen to, like, because I want to learn something. It's not like, it's not a show where I'm like, Oh, I wonder what Adam Newman's really like. Like, I don't anticipate that. I, I anticipate you being like, this is the real stuff and watch him. Like that's a bad example probably because there's no line to walk up to, but if yeah. there were, it's there. Well, fundamentally people are people and uh, I'm more interested in business results. Like, I mean, maybe this yeah. is my, is my, my, my Midwest early technology scene training, but like, to me, I hate headlines that are like, you know, 17 year old founds company raises a million dollars. I don't care how old. Wasn't that a meme just recently? 17 year old uh, uh, entrepreneur was interested the, in crypto. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, yeah. That was, if you don't know what we're talking about, I think the headline oh was like God. 16 year old entrepreneur is interested in crypto. And it, yeah, it's, it's, it's the greatest. <laughs> it's pretty good. I'm so glad my parents didn't have money because maybe they would have done dumb things like that for me. Oh um, my God. Oh, it's, it's, it's brutal. Um, but anyway, that's a headline that you're not interested in. <laughs> not interested. In. I, I, I'm much more curious about the, the facts and figures and data points. And so if, if you could see a script for equity, the podcast that I, that I help uh, host, um, it's just bullet points in, in, in like an order. So like the, we, we call it a script, but it's not, right. it's a crib sheet essentially. And so that's where we start. We start with like, what happened? What are the, the, the key data points? Who's investing? Who do they compete with? That sort of stuff. And then we have fun with it because, yep. you know, we could all do something else that's easier. <laughs> like yeah. we could all just go work for IBM, you know, or whatever. Actually, that's that's not. A, I that's, don't want to yeah. appear to be taking a, a shot at, at Mike Murphy, who, who I adore. We could go work for a big company, you know, and and sit in meetings and do nothing and get paid probably more. But uh, I like to laugh and joke. And, I and I feel like fun. this life is pretty great. Like I there's stresses. Like obviously I'm you know I, I have other companies and things that I operate. And you are very busy, Scott. I was just yeah. prepping for this, and I was like, yeah. oh, this guy actually probably works more than I do. Like, how are you holding all of your stuff I together? Pitched, I tried to. I I pitched my company's seed round to you, man, and crickets, nothing. That's, it wasn't big enough. I wasn't. No, no, enough. it was not. It was not that it was, it's, it, it's the issue that I have is my, my daily output requirements mean that I, I always put comms third or yeah. fourth in my list. Yep. And you know, like I write a daily column, I write the TechCrunch daily newsletter and I write breaking news and I help edit and I'm on a podcast and I love all that's my favorite part of my job. And then it's like 6 45 PM and you're like, Oh crap, I have no email today. And then you pull up the inbox and you try to read some of it. And then you miss find people like yourself. And then people <laughs> ascribe reasons to it. Like my round wasn't big enough. Not true. Uh, we covered I totally, of- I actually totally get it. I have, there's no disrespect on it. I send it out. Um, I have the same thing. Like, it's funny. You mentioned that you've got this like mediocre book reviews you want to do. Yeah. I have pitchreviews.com. That's my sub stack. It's literally just founders who are raising money through equity crowdfunding. They pitch me. Yes. You wouldn't even, I mean, you would believe, but you couldn't believe if you're not you or me, you couldn't possibly believe the pitches that come in my DM. There's more yeah. stuff that crops up, but yeah, just, but put the illegality bit aside. I mean, just think about the, the volume you have Yeah. just with equity crowdfunding. I mean, that is a, that is a niche inside the broader world of, of VC, you know, if, if that is big, I can only imagine what your inbox ends up looking like. And we're, you know, I try to be 
selective and I try to do as much diligence on a company as is available, which is pretty yeah. easy, right? Because the pages are fairly comprehensive depending who they're raising with it, but it's still completely insane. And you'll get the set, you know, it's a sad, I actually do still feel sad about it. I get these emails like, Hey man, why didn't you like, we're, our campaign's closing. And like, why didn't you do this and that? And, and it's like, there's literally a thousand companies, right? Like right now, I don't like, sorry. Yeah. I didn't flip and then flip it around. I mean, like, because I, in the last couple of weeks I've written about India, China, uh, <laughs> yeah, North America, Latin America, Boston, Europe. Chicago. Yeah. Boston and Chicago as well. And so like, if you do that, and it's, it's a great part of the job. People say hi. And the downside is, you know, I, I, my, my podcast has a little team and I'm part of a crew that puts the daily together. And I have a, a colleague that I work with uh, on some of my columns, but like, I'm by myself. I'm, I'm my own scheduler. Yeah. You know, I'm my own uh, interview transcriber. I'm my own first draft editor. And uh, I don't have an assistant. I don't have a, a team. And, and that's how just journalism is. This isn't like yeah. I'm unfairly maligned. It just, I'm this just isn't like 1975, you know, watching the Tribune. Like, no. it's not. No, no it's, it's not, not like that. Not, not newsroom. So, uh, but it's hard, though, because people care about their project. They care yeah. about what they're building. They care about their company. And, and to them, their funding round is the world or, or yeah. their, their product launch or their big hire or you know, what their partnership, they've been working for nine months to, to get together. And they're like, I got a thing. And then I don't email them back because I didn't see it. And then, you know, I, I hate being a person who brings unhappiness or discord into people's personal emotional lives. And I, I haven't, we will, to- we will cut this clip and I'll post it as a PSA so that everybody knows that you don't intentionally want to hurt people's feelings. And it's, it's, you know, it's all Please, good. Well, maybe, but like, I, I, I'm always worried that I talk about this too much and that I, I'm protesting too much. And I should just get my, can we, oh, we can swear on this show. It has the yes, explicit. It's mark. constant. Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. It's just, you know, cause sometimes people are a little worried about that, but I, I, I'm, I'm trying to get my shit together always, but I keep being derailed by breaking news and daily output. So it's hard to figure it out. It, well, yeah. so going, going back into where we started in this before we unwound the, the rant, there are, there are people who can do, and maybe it's like a sickness. Like you, you know, I can't be alone. I can't like do nothing. Mm. I always like, whenever I'm like, Oh man, I got to cut some of these things I'm doing out. As soon as uh, the smallest amount of time makes it available, like, Oh, I could, I I could, I can invest in that. I can do like, there are better ways to spend time than calling on sponsors to pay the bills. But there are very few jobs, unless you're like an elite CEO somewhere that you can meet some of the people that we've had the fortune of meeting and like, just even if they're assholes, like just to watch them is like, what? I, I regularly get every single quarter. I can talk to most technology company CEOs if I want to, and then harangue them about their earnings reports. No one else. That's insane. That kind of, right. Like, yeah. It, 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 and like, and, and founders that are fantastic. I get to meet them often super young and uh, I get to kind of like, like ramp, for example, compete yeah. with Rex and, and yeah. uh, just raise another 80 bajillion dollars at a 48 quintillion dollar valuation. Like I've been talking to ramp for, for a while now. And like, it's been really fun to watch that company go from like scrappy little company to like finding its own niche to, you know, investing in it, it, it's the access that we get in the media world as an opportunity to learn is, is unparalleled. And so all the complaints aside about communications volume and, you know, people being media trained wouldn't trade for the world. I mean, I, people ask me if I'm going to go become a VC and the answer is no, because one, why would I be good at it? And two, uh, I don't want to work in sales. So, you know, I, uh, I, yeah, you couldn't have said it better. Like I've been asked how many times to create rolling fun type things. And I'm like, I was thinking about you because of the, the tech republic. Makes sense. Like, why not? Yeah. Uh, cause I'd have to shut down my Twitter. Cause then you have to be somebody else. 
you yes. can't be real anymore. Like I, this you, is why you I don't want to go work for Sony's venture capital arm because then I would be a, a Sony representative versus myself. You know, everything I, you ever say after that moment has like an asterisk by it. And I still do investing and I, I, and bringing other investors into deals that, that I, you know, bring to the table or whatever, but I'm honest about it. Like, you know, when you come in that I'm probably coming in from that same, you know, vantage point. And I, I want to make a small correction. Uh, I said tech Republic earlier. It's, it's join Republic as the Twitter account for the, Oh yeah. Uh, tech Republic so. used to be that old, like uh, not old, but a news outlet for join yeah. Republic Republic.co is the, uh, so I invested in Republic at an early stage, about a huge proponent of equity crowdfunding forever. So like just full disclosure, but I do the majority of all these pitch reviews from like every site that does it. So like we fund yeah, yeah, start yeah. engine, all that kind of stuff. I just wanted to, I said that and then I was like, I don't think that's right. So I, I frantically pulled up your Twitter profile to get the correct, uh, the correct names. So I, I could give the proper shout out because there's a lot of companies out there getting their names right. Pretty important. Yeah. It's, it's helpful. It's, it's one of our, they should have chosen a word that was maybe a little bit less, uh, but hey, you know, what are you going to do? Is the company doing well? Yes. Oh my is it God, a cool yeah. space? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, Google is still a dumb name, Scott. Like, but we've just gotten used to it. Uh, yeah, I guess you're right. I have, I, I feel like I liked it and then I didn't and now I do and now I don't again. I okay, don't. think about it this way. I work for a publication called Tech Crunch. That makes no sense. What are we at? Peanut butter review company? Like Tech you know. Nori. What the hell is Tech Nori? There's I've always thought there must be a- That is the Hancock building. That's Tech Nori. Well, the, so the sushi roll Hancock building with the two um, pit, uh, not pitchforks. Oh my God. Yeah. Chopsticks. There we go. Chopsticks. Uh, it, it, it's a classic. Tech Nori, I've never understood, but I just, I presume there was a story behind it that I didn't know. Uh, yeah. It's like, it's a, a roll, a, like tech stories rolled up like a, like a tech Nori. Oh. It's tech. That was okay. the play. And it, it, it honestly, it worked itself out because it started off as, you know, like it was meetups with Seth. And then it turned into this yeah. kind of like pitch events. And then it became like a really big pitch event. And then it was all over the place. And then it was radio show and podcast. And now I'm just sitting here talking to you. So, well, I mean, been a lot what, of what was the time you didn't technology have the, um, the founder of Siri? Yeah. Once? Yes, yeah. we did. Yeah. We, and we had, so we had, I was, that, I was at that one. That was a good one. Uh, we had really Kimball Musk. That was insane. Oh, I didn't know. This Man. is before Elon becomes the cult hero though. This is like yeah. Elon, the Tesla guy, but he's like, you know, interesting, but whatever. Now he's not Howard Hughes yet. So yeah. that was crazy. Um, Jason Freed was always a good one. We've had a whole Jason bunch Freed's of always these good. Like keynotes. But I just remember like walking into that. Uh, Chase venue. Auditorium. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And Which I is remember- cool sounding, but a shithole actually. Okay. But it was, it was packed. When, yeah. when I, when I went there for the, for the Siri one, I just remember, uh, I, I've become a little bit more introverted than I used to be, but like, even Likewise. me, that's why a, I do this. <laughs> I can literally hit the red button and you go away. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like dinner when you're like, Oh God, he's ordering dessert. Oh, that's no, I'm the be worst. Do you want to have a coffee? I not do not on your life. I no, want to go, go home and <laughs> consume some cannabis products and play Crusader Kings three. Leave me alone. Oh Anyways, I went to that event and it was packed and I was like, dang, Chicago's texting really turned out for this. You know, it, that yeah. gave me early vibes that uh, things were really beginning to cook. And, you know, I think the last really, I mean, think about the last year and a half in the Midwest startup scene compared to the five years before it. To me, it's almost like a step function change. Like with firms like, you know, M25 out there, just, you know, focused yep. on the space. It's, it's dope. This is the stuff everyone wanted to have when I was 19, you know, and didn't. So it, it, it's good to see. It's encouraging to me. I, I totally agree with you. And I think, you know, we'll use this as a segue into a, another part of this and, and wrap, but many of the founders that were in that same room with you, 
when you were at that event, when the Siri founder or Siri creator was on stage, they became some of the best companies in Chicago. And, you know, Matt Maloney from Grubhub was a regular. Yeah. Uh, if you want to look at like spot hero, Mark Lawrence, he was the first ever uh, pitch on Technori. It was, was, it wasn't even him. It was Jeremy, his co-founder who's no longer with the company. Mm. Um, there are some black eyes on there also. There's a, uh, you know, Rishi that outcome health did not work so well. Uh, there, there's it, it been all not. kinds of things, but like many of those founders, like Sean Rigsecker from Centro, like there's a bunch of them. They were all in there. Justin Howard included. And, and yeah, yeah. they've all had a ton of success and their CTOs and COOs and co-founders. They invest in a ton of deals. And I, I think the one thing that was always kind of missing is like, there was no link between, it was like, Oh, I know John Higginson from Groupon. So he invests in me, but I don't share. So right. you don't really know what's going on. Whereas I think the Valley, it's sort of like they really quickly knew who each other was. And there was, you know, was there's the secret Valley handshake though. Yes. You know, I yes. think that's how you spread. Yeah, no, but I mean, I mean, seeing a, a city like Chicago, which has such a deep bench of educational talent, very yeah. much the same as, as Boston in terms of like universities, number yep. of students graduating, uh, just density of intelligence, if you will. Um, all you need is, is some recycling exit money going back into angel and seed. And then a couple of series A, you know, VC firms, and then you can fill in later rounds with other folks. And it, it's hard to get all the pieces moving at the same time. But if this isn't that in, in Chicago, the Midwest, Boston, yeah. and a bunch of other markets around the world, everywhere from, you know, I mean, Brazil's hot, Mexico's hot, Guatemala's doing well. It's crazy, but like it, it, it's happening in so many places. It's almost surreal. You know, how much of this is really makes you have a little lives. bit of fear. I, I at least get a little anxiety when I start looking at this and it's like, Okay. Cause like this can go really South quickly too, right? Like if the a bunch of money is invested in, you know, whatever, $1.6 billion or whatever it was over the last, you know, nine months, yeah. if that ends up going to no victories, then it's like the bubble burst. And it's like, we're never going to invest ever again in a startup in Chicago, which is like See, the way Chicagoans look at it. I, I think that is the Midwest pessimism yeah, derived totally. from winters that are too long and insufficient amounts of whiskey. Uh, I, 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 you can't you be assume there's no whiskey in this coffee. There could be yeah, well ahead of me, at least. Um, I, I think that the, that kind of fear is, is antithetical to entrepreneurship because you have yeah. to be hanging out there doing ridiculous things. I mean, think about how dumb Uber was as an idea. We're going to make a very expensive black car service and we're going to break the law and get around taxi codes. Imagine if I pitched you that right now, you would be like, Alex, that's amazingly dumb. Get the fuck out of my eye. Yeah. You know, because it's it, it's it's too silly. But sometimes those are the ideas you have to do. And so you can't be. Oh, I'm a bad poker player, and why I'd be a terrible entrepreneur. Um, I'm insufficiently risk tolerant. Yeah. See, that's the one thing that keeps me going is I have like, there's not enough risk. Like, no matter what happens, like I'm just like, oh sure, wing it, fuck it, let's go. Like everything, I I need like a risk in every. I bet on everything. Like it's. Just, I want to go snowboarding with you. That would be fun. Well, that would be you'd win immediately. I don't. I'd fall right over on my head, and that'd be that. But I think we're gonna play uh, some sort of game. I yes, think let's rock and roll. So we've been talking about founders and all these different things. I want to create a little list here. You have interviewed as many of these people as exists, and for those who are no longer with us, uh, you would have interviewed them had you been around that. We're going to play a little founder pantheon game here. I think we like the best way to do this is to like set some parameters because we could probably name people forever. So what I'm going to do off the top is just acknowledge that uh, no Kardashian counts. Okay. Like that's, and, and I'm not saying that founder and entrepreneur there, believe it or not, there, there's a difference. Phil Knight, Steve Case, Reed Hoffman. Reed Hoffman is interesting that people know his entrepreneurial history, but people aren't 
as plugged into what he's doing today. And so yeah. I, I, I wanted to make sure I, I had this fact. So I pulled up his LinkedIn. He's currently on the board of Microsoft, which is interesting. And yeah. he's on the board of- Nima. Oh, well, that was the acquisition, right? Because Microsoft bought LinkedIn. So that probably- Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I mean, like, there. you know, you don't get to be on, a, on the Microsoft board. It's, it's, yeah. it's relatively impressive. And so to me, yeah. he hasn't just done one thing. Like he's on the board of Neva, which is a really cool search yep. company. He's really had multiple acts to his, to his work. And, and that is very so impressive. That, that is where we're going to put, like he's, he is right there under this. Okay. Uh, I'm going to knock out a couple more real quick here that are All not, right. like they're not even alive. So we'll just get them out of the way, but I want to acknowledge. Henry Ford, Andrew Carnegie, Sam Walton, Howard Hughes, and Walt Disney. Oh, Their I got businesses, them, every single one of those. So like the definition of entrepreneur and founder and creator is like totally different when you go back a couple hundred years or a hundred years, it's like a different world. But I just put mention out there because they're like the modern, they were like the, the first frontier. They're the Steve Jobs of, you know, 1894. Yeah, Henry Ford is one of those just super mixed cases. Like, you know, decided to pay his workers $5 a day. That was an enormous raise. He was yeah. also a raging anti-Semite. So yeah. like, he's like uh, this pro-labor leader who helped revolutionize American manufacturing and supply lines and, and, and super racist. And so like, yeah. and I know when an unfortunate trait and, that many of these people uh, would yeah. unfortunately possess Carnegie, a famous industrialist and a monopolist. All right. Yeah. So plus one, minus one, uh, Walt Disney, <laughs> there's uh, there's some issues there too. And I, I'm kind of opposed to the Disney corporation as it exists today. I think it exists as a way to uh, weaponize childhood emotions amongst adults to extract outsized rents and also they've ruined star wars which means that i have to see star wars content all the time which pisses me off because it's one mediocre space opera guys read another book um, do you have kids by the way not yet working on okay it. well the disney thing it that fire will only get hotter for you i'm afraid I, i'm ready i'm ready <laughs> i haven't seen frozen yet um it's I've okay heard- it's when you read it for the 400th time that it's um if I tell the Elsa and Anna story one more time, I may lose it. Oh my God. Okay. So, so Disney, I'm only, I put them on there because it, it's like a, a thing that what it is today is nothing to like what he was envisioning. So like, I don't, I don't put you on this list. Right. Howard Hughes is like hmm. in my head, still very like Elon Muskie. And I really like this, like starts to open the door to like what I mean when I think of the founder versus just entrepreneur, it's someone who just creates crazy shit all the time across yes. everything. Anything they touch, it becomes a new thing. The, Regardless. Uh, the famous Howard Hughes uh, Spruce Goose, the airplane Spruce that Goose. he put together, uh, which was simply enormous, is uh, in Oregon, actually. You can go yeah. see it. It's in an airplane museum that I've been to several times, and it's very large. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. this is back to the thing about risk tolerance. This is the wooden plane, right? This is the the, the, yeah. the wooden plane the size of like it, it, it's it, like it, a it, boat in the sky. It beggars imagination how big it is. Uh, but like that's the kind of entrepreneurs that, that I I really like because I Me mean too. it's not just building enterprise SaaS for a particular vertical, and that's important and good and lucrative and yay. But he was like, what if we made <laughs> this boat? What if the boat flew? Cool, you know. And this is why, like, I and they I did will, it. Yes. And I will, I will mock Elon all day for bad tweets and Dogecoin and all this, but does SpaceX now routinely land its first booster stages on drone ships in the ocean? Cool. I'm a science fiction fan. I'm here for it. I'm all right. right, So we're, we're moving through this. We're going to start pinning these down to some Mount Rushmore's and then there's me outsiders. My hope here at the end is we're going to put together a tiny list of a few founders that might be the next ones on this Ah, list. So I'm going to rip through here. Let's do it. There's Michael Dell, Michael Bloomberg, questions on the Bloomberg one. 
Larry Ellison. We're keeping this to U.S. based for the most part. So Richard Branson would be in, and I know that Elon Musk was not born here, but like the business is mostly here. So yeah. like Jack Ma and those guys, we're going to leave them out. Got it. Um, Bill Gates, Steve, uh, Jeff Bezos, Steve Jobs, and Waz putting them together, even though it's you know more the Jobs is the one that's known for this stuff. I feel like Jobs is automatically put on this Mount Rushmore because of what Apple became and because of the story of who he was and all that stuff. And, and he died obviously prematurely. I don't quibble with Steve. He actually almost walked over my nephew once in uh, Palo Alto in California. I was not with my family. On a, was on he a texting trip. and walking? Just I, don't, I wasn't there. I was, I was staying, we were crashing my sister's house. Um, this is a long time ago. And uh, they walked to the grocery store and uh, Steve Dobson, they walked over my nephew. And then they were so excited to tell me this happened when they got back. And I'm like, the one time I don't go with the family to the store on this trip is that, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think he's an absolute legend and there's a, there's a whole bunch of, he's got all those traits, right? He's got that Howard Hughesy, Elon Muskie sort of batshit crazy, but genius, mm-hmm. not afraid of anything started Multiple a company acts. just to spite like, yes. yeah, the, I think if we had to put him on the Mount Rushmore and keep him, it's because of the acts he had to be exited, come back and resurrect. And for that you're Mount Rushmore. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's the, uh, being a founder only implies a certain period of time. Being a historically leading entrepreneur requires decades of sustained performance. Yes. So, yes. So that's, that's where we are on this one. Okay. So we got Jeff Bezos is on, I mean, is there even a question there or do you, do you have a push? No, 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 no beef there. I mean, what Jeff managed to do more than build a, a company, I think, or build AWS or whatever was build a, a corporate ethos that yeah. grinds everything in front of it to dust and spits it out the back. And I think that you can, I've got lots of quibbles with certain Amazon labor policies and so of course, forth, yeah. but in terms of, of like sheer gumption, like you know, Amazon was early to the, the mass warehouse strategy, building its own shipping networks, using robots to move stuff around. The, I mean, like there's a lot of stuff that they've done that we now take for granted as table stakes that they were really early on. And so, you know, I don't want to work for Amazon because it's a pretty cutthroat culture and full of miserable MBAs, but like, you know, points. I am going to say this. I'm sure you already know this story. I'm going to say it. And for those listening, you can actually check, check it out and see if I'm telling the truth. Relentless.com goes to amazon.com. That's a fact. Yeah. It's like, always, it's always day one, Scott. It's never day two. Seriously. Like this dude was so serious about this, that he took up relentless.com and made that his whole thing. And it's still to this day, if you go to relentless.com, it goes to Amazon. And that to me is like the biggest F you to people. I, I, yeah. And I'll just say, I try to support my local bookstores here in Providence. Uh, but I still buy a lot of books on Amazon because I'm in a hurry and they're great. They've know? fundamentally changed the way people shop. All right. Oh yeah. Moving through here. Now we got to start looking at like current active entrepreneur, CEO, founder kind of deal. Yeah. This is where the, the shit hits the fan to me. So we've, we've filled up jobs and Bezos are 100% on the Pantheon. They're on the Mount Rushmore in my opinion. Yeah. Bill Gates. Do, yeah. do you have a mayor? You don't. I'm, I'm a, I'm, uh, I'm aside I'm from tor- the current news, like set yeah. aside what probably is we think is probably the case. I'm a little bit. Well, okay. So first of all, absolutely. Yes, he has to be because yeah. uh, the creation story of Microsoft and what they built and how they did it and how they turned it into a profitable company, took it public and then made everyone else super rich is a, a business story for the ages. Yes. Uh, I just, in a story of, of, of that size, a bit like with Amazon, there are so many players that get lost in the mix. Like think, yeah. about, think about how Steve Ballmer ended up with so much Microsoft stock. It's so he's he had- on my, my CEO pantheon list, even though he made some major screw ups. Yeah, but he did them full speed. Like, but he did them full speed and yeah. what a legendary C- CEO basically becomes founder. Like, yeah, crazy. 
I, I had Windows phones. I liked Windows yeah. phone. I'm still peeved they, they canceled it because I'm stuck back in iOS. But I, I like, yes, Bill Gates, for sure. But to me, like, it, it, I used to cover Microsoft as a beat reporter. So I, I got to know a lot of the folks there, like, you know, Terry Meyerson and Steven Sanofsky a little bit and so forth. And, and Microsoft is a country more yeah. than a company. And so it's like saying like the, it's like, it's like saying George Washington made America. Like, well, certainly had a role to play, but like, yeah. you know, there was some other people there. Yeah. I, in, it's like he, he doesn't have the, the tension in his story that mm. I, that I like from Bezos where it's like, almost like he did the revenge tour for no reason, almost apparently. <laughs> and then you've got obviously Steve jobs, which is just like, I, I missed the tension. So I'll put, yeah. we put Ga- Gates has to go on because Microsoft is like a pillar I actually take that same exact argument away from like Sergey Brin and, and Larry Page. Like I, I, Google is game changing, world changing, whatever. But for whatever reason, I just don't, uh, I they, struggle with that. Yeah. Yeah. And they like, also kind of disappeared. Like, where's Larry? I don't. Well, I mean, they did what everyone should do when they make yeah, $30 billion, which is I agree. fuck off. Yeah, like, I agree. If, if, <laughs> if I'm being very judgy for a guy who wants the same outcome. Yeah. I mean, no, but think about it, Scott. If I, if I gave you a billion dollars, after taxes in your account i mean the show just ended right there oh (laughs) yep i mean do you know what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna go take a nap first of all i had a billion dollars and then i'm gonna read every science fiction novel i haven't gotten to read yet and then i'm going to probably crash a ferrari into a race racetrack wall somewhere but like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be going to like the tech event f that i'm gonna my own planet time you know i guess they would have to go in the bill gates kind of area there there's this part of it that doesn't quite lock for me and i i feel weird saying that because it's google can i throw can i throw some names of people out please there please do kind of up and coming that i that i like yes um so see if they're on the list uh they they won't be i don't think oh so because uh because you're, what you're doing is uh it's like ranking the best yankees you know what i mean like you're going through like the the, the hall of fame uh from the from the farm team and triple a all right. I would say people that are going to make it in the majors and are going to become these big names. I'm a fan of uh, Deji Paknad. She is the CEO and co-founder over at Workboard okay. and uh, enterprise software company uh, growing super, super quick. Talked to her a couple of times. Very impressed with her maniacal focus, drive, intelligence. Just I, I find her very impressive. And I don't know her super well, but I just had this vibe about her that she's going to be huge. And her company is growing really well. So shout out to her. Just picking other names, you know, almost from the hat. You had Sarah Moskov on the show. I think she's yep. tremendous. Uh, yep. She's the definition of an entrepreneur you can't stop. Like yep. no matter what comes her way, she's going to just grind straight through it. Uh, Laura Barron's Wu, the CEO of Shippo. I think she's yeah. fantastic. I, I would say also Ali Godzi from Databricks. Uh, you know, they're rumored to be putting together a, a $1.5 billion round at a, what was it? 38, 39. I forget what, uh, what was reported some, somewhere in there plus $10 billion in nine months. So yeah, that's insane. Top, top that. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of just great, founders out there, great founder CEOs who I think are going to be fantastic. And, you know, I, I try to not overstand individuals because companies are complex, but like, you know, these are people that whenever I do talk to I'm kind of like, oh shit, fun. This is going to be a great half an hour of my life. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to wrap this up. Uh, time on all sides is running short. I have created this kind of short list. Okay. Feel free to add one or two ending it off. This is the current active. Like if you were going to do Mount Rushmore or soon to be, this is the current group. Okay. Elon Musk at the top of the list. Like, I don't think there's a debate really on that. 
uh, unless you think there is, which I'm here No, for. I mean, like this is like name the best Metallica album, which is the thing that changes for me every six months because I change my mind. The next one's going to put you in that spot. Bring it on. So I have Jack Dorsey and Mark Zuckerberg, Jack Dorsey ahead of Mark Zuckerberg because of Twitter and Square and his impact. Plus, I think he's probably Satoshi, which is a whole other thing. Um, Zuckerberg, on the other hand, is like, Facebook, right? But it's also Instagram and it's, he's done an amazing job of like buying up everything out there. But I, I don't think he, I, in my opinion, Jack is more impressive. Yeah, no, no, no I agree with that entirely. Really? I'm surprised. Yeah. I figured you'd be like, are you nuts? Like, no, this no, is no. the inner story. Uh, Jack is, Jack is running two public companies at the same time. First of all, how does that work? One, two, uh, Square is going to keep growing yeah. and end up being one of the leading financial companies in the world, period. I won't blame him for title. I'll just leave that alone. I, I don't understand that deal. I don't even have a jokey guess of what they're doing with that. Hopefully it's something smart. But, and then on the, on the Twitter side, uh, the reason why I give them points for that is the recent rebirth of the product team at Twitter. Like, you know, Twitter's product pace was always glacial and I can never really figure out why. And then no. something changed and, and holy crap, have they been busy. And so yeah. Jack kept that company alive through its time being out of fashion in the public markets through uh, election controversies and all sorts of things. And now they've launched Twitter Spaces, which is great. They bought Review, which is cool. Like, I, I really think there's a great vibe there. And who would have thought? So yeah, uh, Twitter, Twitter and Snapped Me, if you want to go TikTok, that's all I'm thinking. But Twitter and Snapped Me are the, are the long socials for me right now. I, I just Man, I've been like to read Snapped. short posts. Yeah. Snapchat is uh, is remarkably resilient, and the company is almost maybe cash flow break even next year. So yeah. they may it's impressive. It so yep. Evan is on that kind of short list, and obviously we could rip through all these newbies. Yep. Patrick Collison from Stripe, Brian Armstrong, mm -hmm. obviously you know Brian Chesky, Airbnb, Stuart Butterfield, Slack. Travis Kelmick is the hot like ooh, I don't know. Do I want to throw him on the list because he's kind of an asshole? But then there's also Ghost Kitchens, which could be a thing. Yeah. I've only met Travis once and he was nervous before our conference. So I don't think that was particularly fair. Brian Armstrong. Uh, I don't agree with him on many, many things, but at a minimum, he has had a, a, a thesis yep. and he has not deviated from it. And there's something to be said for that, you know, cause crypto goes out of fashion and he just doesn't care. And then it comes back into yeah. fashion and he goes, I've always been here. And then it goes out of fashion again. And then there he goes. And uh, so I don't agree with him on politics, the, the workplace and many things, but you, you got to give him points for just, sheer bloody mindedness and uh as you saw from their epic q2 uh it's paid off pretty well for the guy so yeah. no arguments okay last ones harry hurst and steve galanis i think are game changers in their different spaces well, both forging right. their way in like kind of economies that are you would have looked at them and like this is stupid and can't possibly be worth something and yet it's like enormous and just growing like crazy so cameos are really just nfts that yeah you buy for someone else right because they're a digital format that is yep. unique and tuned uh it's not on the blockchain but it's kind of a similar idea of buying a, a moment or a time piece of time or an emotion or something uh cameo is brilliant and what i love about it is it brings other people closer to other people like yeah. again you and i because of what we do, we can get lots of folks to talk to us. Uh, most folks don't. And so this provides like almost like a, like a, a magic hack into access. And I think that's, that's great. And it's a great business. Pipe is fascinating, Scott. I don't know enough of its current scale to really comment too much, but uh, everyone seems to love it on the Twitters. So it's, it, you know, to me, it's got a lot of brex to it. There's like the changing how mm. people do things and, and use it. Okay. Last thing I'm going to say, we got to fill one spot. So we've done Mount Rushmore. Who's the one 
spot that you would fill this with. We put Steve Jobs on it. We put Bezos on it. We put Bill Gates on it. We don't like, you could put Elon on there. You could put George Dorsey on Like who, who do you, maybe not them. Who do you fill that four spot with? I think that what we want to do is, is pick someone who's not an obvious choice. Yeah. Who, who might become the next person. And a lot of the founders that I mentioned earlier are like series C, series D. And so yeah. they are further, they're coming, further, yeah. they're coming up. And so I don't want to discount any of them, but probably Ali Godzi from, from Databricks, because what he has managed to build there is going to be bigger than Snowflake. And that's why I'm not saying Frank Slootman and so forth. And so yeah. uh, I, I think if the thing, if the growth holds up, you know, uh, there's a lot of ifs in there, but like it could become easily a hundred billion dollar corporation. And I think that's almost like the threshold that we're discussing when we talk about companies uh, or people that build companies on this list. Absolutely love this. This is amazing. Alex, thank you so much for taking the time and doing this. I hope you come back sometime. We'll talk about other pantheons. Follow you at Alex on Twitter. You're the only Alex on Twitter in everyone's heart and mind. And of course you can read and subscribe to everything at TechCrunch. Uh, Check out the Equity Podcast. Thank you so much for, for coming on. Dude, thanks for having me. This has been an absolute blast. And I, I just want to tell people, we were supposed to talk for half an hour and I was going to have half an hour to finish a story by uh, 11 a.m. by time. And uh, we've talked for an hour. And so this is why stories go out late. It's because you have too much fun and you blow past your time. But Scott, thank you. A real treat. And uh, I just want to say it's lovely to uh, having gone to early technology events and so forth to bring it back full circle and talk about uh, the good times and the new times with you today. Thank you. You're the best. Thank you. If you're interested in self-directed investing from startups to crypto and public markets, my Substack is a great way to learn how professional investors screen, review, and pull the trigger on deals. Join the largest community of micro-investors and startup founders on Substack by going to katoon.com.